On episode 516 of the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast, we meet Dr. Giles Yao and discuss his book, Why Calories Don't Count, How We Got the Science of Weight Loss Wrong. You can find the full show notes for this episode at 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash 516. Have you decided you're ready to make a change? To reclaim your health and fitness, the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast is here for you. I'm your host, Alan Meisner. I'm an NSAM certified personal trainer with a specialization in corrective exercise and fitness nutrition. Let me be your coach as you find your way on your health and fitness journey. All right, let's go. This episode of the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast is sponsored by Organifi. Organifi is a line of organic superfood blends that offers plant-based nutrition made with high-quality ingredients. Each Organifi blend is science-backed to craft the most effective doses with ingredients that are organic, free of fillers, and contain less than 3 grams of sugar per serving. They won't take you out of ketosis if that's your way of eating. Your body is an amazing organic machine. The food we eat and drink is information for that machine. This includes adaptogens. These are compounds that balance hormones and help you deal with stress in a healthier way. If you're feeling tired, these compounds will give you a boost of energy. If you're stressed, they'll help you return to a natural state of calm. They literally help you adapt to the stress of life. This is why I'm a big fan of Organifi Green Juice with essential superfoods and a clinical dose of ashwagandha. It helps reduce stress and support healthy cortisol levels. It mixes well with water or your beverage of choice, and it tastes awesome. This has become my go-to morning ritual. Organifi offers the best-tasting, high-quality superfood beverages without breaking the bank. Each serving costs less than $3. Easy, convenient, and cost-effective. Go to www.organifi.com forward slash 40 plus and use the coupon code 40 plus for 20% off your order. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com forward slash 40-P-L-U-S and use the code 40 plus for 20% off of any item. Are you looking to lose weight in 2022? If so, let me ask you this. Do you really have a game plan for how you're going to lose that weight? Do you know how to make adjustments when what you're doing just isn't working or stops working? Are you prepared to deal with the inevitable setbacks that will happen? They have before and they will again. In January, I'm launching a six-week program that will change the game. You'll have a plan. You'll know how to make adjustments. And you'll know how to handle setbacks with ease. You'll have a team on your side, all striving for the same thing, to win at weight loss. You'll learn what works for you to lose weight and feel great, guaranteed. And since I'm a solo coach, I don't offload clients to other coaches like many big-time coaches do, you'll get me and only me. I'll only have a limited number of people I can bring onto the team I'm forming in January. If you're interested in learning more and ensuring you have a slot, go to 40plusfitness.com forward slash win and join the waiting list. That's 40PLUS. F-I-T-N-E-S-S dot com forward slash W-I-N. You're a winner. I look forward to having you on the team. Hey, Raz. How are things going? Good, Alan. How are you today? I'm doing all right. Uh, sort of. I, I I did the requisite face plant that you did earlier. Oh, um, no. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, we were we were celebrating Thanksgiving, and then that night I was like, "Okay, I, I'm I'm you know I've had a few glasses of wine, and I know I'm not going to want to get up at six o'clock in the morning and take these dogs out. So I'm going to take them out at the right before I go to bed, which means they might might just let me sleep till seven. And I went <laughs> to take them out, and it it was raining, and it had been raining, and so I walked down this field, and it's sort of like someone jerking your hands when you're standing on an ice skate. Ice and you know, on ice, and so my feet went completely out from under me when oh. the dog decided he wanted to go in a direction and I wasn't quite positioned for it. Oh, and uh, you know, when you have two leashes in your hand and you're falling, uh, there's no, no, there's no breakage except no. the face. Um, oh, goodness! Oh, <laughs> so no. I, I did a really good face plant, and uh, oh. you know, Tammy was nice enough to patch me up with some band aids okay. and stuff, and um, so yeah, just a, a kind of a 
a face plant. There's no other uh, way to say it because it was just it yep. was just that. Um, but I'm recovering. It's it's fine. Good. It's just um, you know some some scrapes and scars and scrapes and and stuff. And I'm probably going to have a nice little uh, scar above my eyebrow for a little while, maybe for a long while. Boy. I don't know. But you know, it's just one of the kind of those things. You say, okay, I need to work on my balance. I need to mm-hmm. work on my strength. I need to you know make sure that I'm not put in that position again uh, as I get older. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, it's just kind of one of those reminders of being aware of your environment, doing the right things so that we don't take those spills as often. And if we do, our body has a resilience to, to get through it and protect us. Yes, absolutely. Just like you mentioned, uh, I did the same thing a couple of weeks ago and I'm recovering. I still have a tiny little bruise on my cheek, but it seems to be going away. And, but I was just mentioning with um, one of my running partners, like, I think this winter I'll be practicing my gait and learning how to lift my feet up a little bit better, making sure that I pay closer attention and do all those same things too. Yes. It's it's a, it's a reminder and not a fun reminder (laughs) to take care. Oh, and, and so, yeah, it kind of follows along with that, that method I put out there, the slip to success, which is, okay, something happened, you know, in our cases, mm-hmm. face plant, yes. uh, <laughs> you know, and forgive yourself, you know, it happened, oh, yeah. it happened, mm-hmm. the circumstances were what they were. Uh, yeah. And then the second stage is learn from it. Yeah. And then apply it. And so yeah. you're going to be training your gait. I'm going to be working a lot more on, on balance and continue to work yeah. on strength. Um, and then, you know, we'll hopefully not have to deal with, uh, another face plant. For Absolutely. A while. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Absolutely. All right. Well, are you ready to get into this discussion with Dr. Yao? Sure. Let's do this. Our guest today is a geneticist with over 20 years of experience dedicated to researching obesity and the brain control of food intake. He obtained his PhD from the university of Cambridge and assisted the pioneering research that uncovered key pathways in how the brain controls food intake. His current research focuses on the influence of genetics in our relationship with food and eating habits. With no further ado, here's Dr. Giles Yao. Dr. Yao, welcome to 40 Plus Fitness. Thank you so much for having me, Alan. Now, the book you have, very compelling title, I might add, Why Calories Don't Count, How We Got the Science of Weight Loss Wrong. And that's a, that's a very compelling title. Thank you. Some, <laughs> some people might even call it controversial. I don't think it is. I don't think it's a controversial I, title. I, I don't either, especially when you go through the book uh, several times saying, I'm not saying calories don't entirely count. Uh, they do. You know, if you eat in excess of the energy output, uh, you are going to gain weight. And if you mm. eat less than the energy output, you are going to lose weight. It's just really on how we kind of put this all together. And But you had one statement in a book that uh, it was towards the end, but I, I, I have to see this out front because I, I, this was probably the best sentence I've read in a long, long time. And it said, rather than wasting our lives obsessing about our weight and how we look, we should instead focus on our health. If you focus on your health, your weight will take care of itself. Absolutely. And, and I just love that. I love that. I'm, I'm going to use that over and over. I'm going to take that quote, and I'm Dr. Yao, and I'm going to post that everywhere because um, I, I, I think that's really the important thing of what we're after here. We, um, we take weight and we consider it some proxy for being healthy and fit and everything else great in our lives uh, when it's usually just a side effect. It's a, it's a side. It's not only is it a, a just a side effect. It's also sadly what we equate to with beauty. And so people are going to say, "Well, no, that's rubbish." I, I, you, you know, you know, I I can lose a lot more weight. I don't look like how I look. But there's a difference between wanting to look like what you look in a mirror. Look, I want to look. Like, I want to look like Brad Pitt. But you know, there are any number of reasons why I can't look like Brad Pitt. But if you actually get to the point where you're healthy, you can carry your kids, you can go up and down the stairs without getting out of breath, you can cycle to whatever you want to do, and you can live your life and not feel that something's holding you back. So what if you're a little larger? I mean, I guess that's the point. Can you live your life? Can you do what you want to do? And and you need health for that rather than yes. looks per se. Absolutely. Now, to start this off, you know, you start mm-hmm. off the book and you, you have a, a, a supposition here that, that talks about calories. And this is really kind of the principle of the book. And it's A does not equal B does not equal C. And I'll go through that. A mm-hmm. is the number of calories actually in the food. Mm-hmm. That does not equal the number of calories on the side of the pack. Mm-hmm. 
which does not equal the number of usable calories we finally get out of the food. So the, the trouble is this, is if I'm going to look at the input, the calories that I'm eating, and none of those numbers line up, then I, it's an impossible math for me to do, even if I have the information on the pack, even if I were, had a, a bomb kilometer in my house that I get to burn everything I want to burn uh, to figure <laughs> it out, <laughs> which, which I don't, um, and I'm not going to invest in one of those anyway, but doesn't that create this, this complication to the calories in, calories out model that we really can't overcome with math? I think so. Well, well, at least at least not with the math that we're using right now. And I think that's 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 the critical thing. I mean, as you said in the, in, in the very beginning, clearly they count in some description too. 200, 200 calories of French fries is twice the portion of one hundred calories of French fries. Clearly, obviously that's the case. But I guess so is two hundred grams of French fries greater than you know twice the portion of 100 grams of french fries and no one's out here trying to compare 200 grams of french fries to 200 grams of carrots so i think there is this uh, thing we got to get around where we need to be thinking about sort of like the food we're eating and and while the calories have their use okay um, i think they're complicating matters because because now you talk about people equating their weight to their health people are equating the number of calories in a food to how good a food is when, when that's, that is just not, that is just not the case. Yeah, Cause I can get a little packet of snacks and it's, it's a hundred calories or I could eat a hundred calories of chicken breast. Exactly. And it's a whole different dynamic. It's a whole different dynamic. It, it's a whole different, it's a whole different, uh, absolutely different dynamic because of the amount of protein because it has, because chicken breast hasn't been processed. It's been cooked. It's been processed by, by being cooked. But whereas, so, so I guess that, that equation, which I actually, which I actually put out, what it does mean is that the calories everywhere are wrong. And that's the first piece of information that 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 everyone that everyone gets out. But the the issue is we eat food and we don't eat calories. And this is absolutely critically important. And our body has to work to differing degrees in order to pull the calories out of out, out, out of the food. And so when you actually eat something like a chicken breast, a piece of steak, a piece of fish, Okay, like a whole food, all right? You you have to chew through it. it, it it's either got a lot of protein or a lot of fiber, right? Depending on what you're eating. And so you have to kind of make your way through. And your body takes time and takes energy. It takes energy to break down food, okay? Whereas if you have something that's ultra-processed, that's out of a pack, and that, that, is, um, that has a shelf life of a million years, all right? It's been so ultra-processed. And remember, when I say ultra-processed, I'm not talking about fermenting. I'm not talking about the stuff you do in your kitchen. This is stuff that's done in a factory that we cannot replicate at home. Then, in effect, this procedure of ultra-processing is like an external stomach. So, in other words, a lot of energy has already been in to the food and made the calories more available. So, if you have 100 calories of chicken breast, as you said, versus 100 calories of an ultra-processed food, you will end up with a lot more calories from 100 calories of an ultra-processed food, and naturally, an ultra-processed food, because of what's been happening to it, has less protein and or less fiber, and it's higher in salt, sugar, and fat. So this is the problem, right? Whereas if you have a chicken breast, you have a chicken breast. You can put salt on it if you wish, pepper, you know, soy sauce, whatever you want. Um, you control what you add to it because you see the chicken breast, you're doing something to it. Whereas when you get something out of a pack, we don't know what's in it. We just don't. And and I think it's important to understand this 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 fact. Yeah, because in the key of what you just said there was we're eating food, we're not eating calories. This episode of the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast is sponsored by Organifi. Organifi is a line of organic superfood blends that offers plant-based nutrition made with high-quality ingredients. Each Organifi blend is science-backed to craft the most effective doses with ingredients that are organic, free of fillers, and contain less than 3 grams of sugar per serving. In our 24-7 always-on world, going without sleep seems to carry a badge of honor. But that's not how your body sees it. Sleep is when all the wonderful things happen inside your body. Hormones reset and the healing and restoration happens. You know how much better you feel when you have a good night's sleep. Getting good sleep is a priority for me. That's why I'm a big fan of Organifi Gold Juice. With ingredients like turmeric, reishi mushroom, and ginger, it's designed to support rest, relaxation, recovery, and repair. 
It's a delicious and nutritious warm golden tea. I use water, but you can also use milk or a milk alternative. This has become a part of my evening wind down. Organifi offers the best tasting, high quality superfood beverages without breaking the bank. Each serving costs less than $3 per day. Easy, convenient, and cost effective. Go to www.organifi.com forward slash 40 plus and use the code 40 plus for 20% off your order. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com forward slash 40PLUS and use the code 40 plus for 20% off of any item. Uh, our ancestors, before uh, they invented calories in the, I guess, the late 1800s, uh, and started talking about them, we, they didn't. They didn't have calorie counts on their food. They just they they ate till they were satiated, and then they stopped eating, and then they went back to work. So the whole concept of the calorie actually was was not invent was not originally invented. It eventually became to to, to look at human food, but it was originally put together for farmers. Because what farmers were interested in was how much would you feed a cow or your chicken or your sheep, okay, uh, uh, and get good quality meat or eggs or milk or what have you, That's a, a product. And so you could see why the farmers really cared. They really, really would care the, the calorie content of the food, what was coming out the other side of the, of, of, of the animal. And so they could say, well, we're going to change the food. We're going to make a, a, a better investment in the food. It was only latterly. That people that said, oh, we can do this to human food too. Mm. And, then, and, and, and that is when it, it became weaponized. Uh, suddenly the calorie became not something about agriculture and talking about the food supply, but suddenly becoming equated to human beings and then we worry about our health and there we go. Yeah. And all of it seems to get weaponized. I think that's what's actually kind of scary here is, is they'll say, okay, uh, calories are weaponized and then, okay, fat, because fat has more grams more calories per gram than the other two, then we've got to demonize fat. And then it's like, well, no, fat helps a little bit. But so now we've got to demonize cholesterol. It's not the fat's cholesterol. And then we got to demonize sugar. And then we got to demonize salt. And, you know, that's all the stuff, a lot of stuff that actually makes the food palatable in the first place, but in the right proportion, in the right way. Um, the key of it to me, and you talked about this in the book, was can I eat less? actual calories and be satiated and there are certain foods that do that and there are other foods that don't and the first one i want to bring up is protein why mm. is protein so important for weight loss okay there, there are two different reasons uh, two broad reasons why i mean clearly they're they're going to be associated um and so there are two so a calorie of famously uh, a calorie of protein makes you feel fuller, more satiated than a calorie of fat, than a calorie of carb in that order, all right? And there are two different reasons why. So, so like I said, we eat calories, sorry, like I said, we eat food and not calories <laughs> and uh, <laughs> at a Freudian slip. And there are two stages your body goes through to extract um, calories from food. The first stage is digestion, which we which we talk about, right? The chewing, um, uh, the, the order chemical digestion, and there is a golden rule here, really quite a good golden rule, which works not only for protein but also for fiber. But the longer something takes to digest, the farther down your gut it will go, and the farther down it goes, different hormones are released and you feel fuller. Okay, and so protein just happens to take longer to digest. It's more complicated. It's just, it's just more difficult to take it apart than something else. And so it tends to travel further down the gut. Different hormones are released and you feel fuller. So that's the first thing. Now, protein uh, um, is broken down into amino acids, the building blocks within your, within your gut. And then that gets transported across the gut wall into your blood. And amino acids and sugar and fatty acids are themselves not energy. They're fuel still. So they're then transported to your organ, to your cells, wherever they're, 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 they, you, need, you need them. They're then metabolized. And this is the second part of how we actually get the energy, digestion and metabolism. And so each of those uh, – uh, so, so what happens with the metabolism is it takes a lot of energy to metabolize protein. So, so for every 100 calories of protein that you eat, this is unusual. You don't normally do this. It's, I'm just using it as an example so that we understand. But for every 100 calories of protein we eat, 
we only ever use on average 70 calories, seven zero. So it takes 30% of the protein calories you eat to handle protein. So just out of the, out of the blocks, all the protein calorie counts everywhere are 30% out because they don't take into account the 30% of energy it takes to actually um, deal with protein. And so it's a mix. It's a mix of the fact that protein takes longer to digest and more energy to metabolize. Together, it makes protein more satiating for us. It makes us feel fuller even though we eat exactly the same number of calories of protein than fats or carbs. Yeah. Now, the satiation is the important part. That does The 30% doesn't mean you get to eat 30% more. Uh, <laughs> that's not what I mean. You see, that's the wrong message. <laughs> yeah. And so just realizing that, yes, if, if, you're looking at your, if you're looking at your macros and you're saying, okay, this meal is giving me a certain amount of protein. I think you said optimal is probably about 16%. And then yes. I'm getting I'm getting good carbs, and we'll talk about the good carbs in a minute, and some fat. Then then each of those is going to digest at their own pace, and because the protein takes longer to digest and uses more energy in the digestion, it makes it easier for you to stay satiated longer, eat less, and lose weight. Now there is that is absolutely right, but there is one thing. So if you happen to be trying to build your muscle and this could be because you're older or it could be because you are you are actually lifting and trying and, and trying to bulk up then there is a case to be made for thinking about how much protein you're actually getting in terms of protein calories and whether or not you need to alter whether or not you need to alter that now this is yeah. not the case for, for, for everything but I, I think there is a case to be made for mm, maybe I need to up my protein a little bit yeah. more if I'm trying if I'm trying to bulk up yeah. And as a trainer, I would tell you, you know, if you feel like you're losing muscle mass uh, due to sarcopenia because you're older, yes, you, you probably need more protein. And if you decide you want to take on a resistance training program for the sake of building muscle, you definitely need more protein. But as a basic getting by 16% is probably a good number to start with. And then mm -hmm. just see how you recover from your workouts, whether you are building muscle, losing muscle uh, and change it out from there. Now, the next one, and we talked about carbs because there's there's different types of carbs, and I think many of us get conflated in saying, well, okay, this is obviously a healthy carb because it grew in the ground as a plant, uh, but then, of course, we dice it up and fry it or batter it and fry it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> or, you know, like in San Francisco, you talked about the the, the, uh, the baseball games, the, the garlic fries, where there's as much garlic as there are fries. Um, <laughs> we, we, ruin, we ruin good things all the time. Um, but fiber and fiber similar to protein has a, a compelling path through our digestive tract, uh, that changes the way we digest it, which also, and metabolize it, which also, again, helps us, uh, with satiation. So, yes. So, so the first thing is it's quite clear. We don't digest most fiber. So some fiber we're able to digest, but we'll, we'll do that in a second. But the vast majority of fiber, that's the stringy stuff we see in the pulp and orange juice and celery and what have you. We don't digest. It comes out the other sweet corn, uh, corn on the cob. It comes out the other side. And so as, I w as we were discussing with the protein, because the fiber therefore slows the down the digestion of everything, it takes longer to digest. It makes you feel fuller. The other thing about fiber um, um, that is very useful is fiber tends to be found almost exclusively in plants, almost exclusively. Um, the, the type of uh, uh, macros you'll find in a plant tends to be, um, tends to be uh, largely carbohydrate and maybe a little bit of fat, depending on what kind of plant we're actually dealing with. And the crucial thing is the fiber slows down the extraction of the carbohydrates and therefore the absorption of the sugar. And so you'll have exactly, this is the equivalent of drinking orange juice versus eating an orange, right? This is the same kind of comparison where, where you're getting exactly the same amount of sugar, exactly the same amount of sugar, but if you drink orange juice, it, it, it just gets absorbed the moment it hits the, the small intestine, whereas the fiber takes time. And so you then have a different glucose profile, blood sugar profile, after you eat something with fiber versus not. And that plays a very big role in terms of um, not only satiation, but also the eventual feeling of hunger again later, um, um, later as well. Yeah, we call that the roller coaster, where basically mm. blood sugar spikes up, insulin kicks in, it sucks that uh, sugar Sometimes sending it to the muscles, and sometimes sending it to the liver, but most of the time storing it as fat, and mm. then your blood, your sugar crashes, and now you want some more 
orange juice. <laughs> That's right. And the fiber evens this whole thing out. And, yeah. and even though you get exactly the same, and this is the thing, this is the, the thing you try and explain to someone says, look, it's, it's not, I'm not saying the foods are different. I'm not saying that they are um, magic. And I'm not saying they are the, 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 you know, the different types of sugars, the actual rate and speed and, and kinetics, shall we say, mm-hmm. of how you do it. It is everything. It's absolutely everything to, to how your body manages its energy. Yeah. And then the fiber goes further because, again, we're not going to be able to digest most of it into our system. So it's, it's ending up all the way down in the large intestine. And some, some magical things happen down there. Some magical things happen down there because, I mean, fiber A, as we know, keeps you regular. And that's a good thing. We don't want to be storing <clears throat> in us unnecessarily. <laughs> but, but more crucially, or equally crucially, rather, um, it is very, very important for your gut microbiome, for the for, for, for the bugs in your gut that, that actually live there. And it keeps them happy. It keeps them happy. And what, what do I mean by happy? It means it keeps a nice variety of bugs. That pretty much is what healthy means. When people say, what's a healthy gut microbiome? The bugs? Variety. So if you only end up with one mono, you know, you know very, very few varieties, that tends to be meaning that you eat a very uh, uh, um, boring and very, very uniform type of diet, which is not great for you. So, you, so variety is the spice of life and fiber is the spice for these, uh, for, for, for these bugs. And it's very important for your overall health, for your gut health, for your immune system, for any there, – there is hardly any body system. Because, look, if you have bad guts – you feel awful. You, you just, it's just, it's just, you're not having a good day. Um, um, so it, it, having healthy guts uh, um, is important to your overall, to your overall health. Yeah. Now, one of the fundamental problems with nutrition, and I wish we could fix this, mm. is that there's labels on processed food and there's seldom labels on the foods that are high in protein and fiber. Because you're picking those up at a farmer's market, you're picking those up in a produce stand, uh, at a meat market, and they're not wrapped and packaged the way that's required, particularly in the United States, for them to be labeled. And so if you find yourself eating more processed foods, sometimes I don't think, and I'm not even sure we recognize how processed our foods are. Uh, There's a scale you talked about. It's not your scale. It's a scale that's been out there for a while. It's called the NOVA scales, Mm. NOVA classifications, and there's four of them. Could you go through those four real quick so we would Mm. have an understanding? Because in in my opinion, and again, it's not, I'm just a guy that that eats and takes care, try to get, tries to take care of myself, is I'm always trying to eat in that, that number one category, most of my foods. And then if there's a two or three, it's, it's a little bit, or it's a, a way to flavor the one or two. And then I try my best to stay away from the four as much as possible. But could you go through that scale and what that actually means? Okay. So this was actually, uh, I'm, I'm come up from a Brazilian scientist. Um, oh gosh, I'm gonna have to remember his name now. It's terrible. I'm going to forget it. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but a Brazilian, I'll come up with it in a second. A Brazilian scientist actually came up with this Nova system of one to four Re- relatively recently, actually, we're probably only looking at something like 2011 to 2016. He actually devised this. So, what are the four Nova categories? And this is to talk about how processed the food is. So Nova one, these are what we would recognize fruit, you know, what we recognize as whole food, a piece of steak, okay, a chicken wing. All right. So 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 these are just food, whole foods that 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 we would actually go and buy from a market and and, and what have you. Now, Nova two are flavorings, ingredients. Okay, so for example, uh, uh, this could be uh, ground black pepper because the pepper has been has been toasted, has been there. It could be uh, it could be oil. Okay, it could be for example olive oil. It could be rapeseed oil. It could be purified salt. It could be sugar. Okay, from from sugar cane or otherwise, and these are therefore Nova type two. Okay, now what happens when you mix Nova type one and two together? You get a Nova type three. Okay. So three are the processed foods that we recognize as, as processed. So, uh, for example, um, bread. Okay, Because bread has gone through the process of um, you put yeast, there's some fermentation, it goes up, you do things. You can drink beer. Okay, Now, beer has gone through the fermentation process. So those are Nova Group 3 and other foods that you might cook. So pickling, Okay, so kimchi um, um, or, or sauerkraut, that would, be, that would be a Nova Group 3. So that is the vast majority of foods. And actually, Nova Groups 1 to 3 are all pretty much fine because together they form what we would call um, whole 
foods to just minimally processed foods. Then there's Nova Group 4. And the problem with Nova Group 4 is that that is where <laughs> in the in North America, in Europe, in the high-income countries, okay, we get more than 50% of our calories from. And these are pretty much every pre-packaged food that are out there that have gone through a process that we cannot replicate in a domestic kitchen or even a restaurant. When you go to a restaurant, you're not getting, you're not getting a Nova, okay, a proper restaurant, not a fast food restaurant. <laughs> if you go to a proper restaurant where there's a chef in the kitchen and cooking your food, those are never going to be Nova Group 4, okay? Whereas if you actually have to go through a factory process, it's everything that, 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 is, then, that, that is then there. And so that's a lot of things. And so just to be clear, I'm not demonizing them per se. We eat too much of them. So ice cream is going to be Nova Group 4. Croissants are going to be Nova Group 4. You know, pastries are going to be Nova Group 4. So there are those, but they at least look something, um, um, you know, resembling sort of Nova Group 4. But then you can go really extreme, right? And you can get these cheaper nuggets, okay? Where, where for example, the meat, it's not really meat. It's, meat is even a strong yeah. word. It's yeah, after, protein after of reading, animal after source. Reading, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, will, I will never eat another chicken McNugget as long as I live. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get sued by them. But... <laughs> But it's true. But that's the way that that's the way they, they, they actually make it. And so those are the four Nova groups. And 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 what we gotta do. So why does the Nova Group Four exist? That that this is a question to ask. I think it's helped keep seven billion people in the world alive. Okay, there was a reason why it came came about because of the industrial processes. They have they they are a they have economies of scale to make. They typically have very long shelf lives and they're very easily movable, and they're very cheap calories. And so as a result, we can actually we can actually survive on food. You, certainly in the UK, you can now get up to nine hundred calories. Okay, in the old school, for less than a pound. Okay, depending on where you're getting, and a pound is a dollar twenty or a dollar thirty, some, 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 something like that. Yeah. Really cheap calories. The problem is the amount we're eating now. That's the first thing. And the second problem is that because it's cheap, the poorer among society, people in the lower socioeconomic classes end up eating the cheaper food. Why? Because that is what's available in their food deserts they happen to be living in, for example. And it is also what they happen to be able to, 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 to afford. And so I think it's a double tragedy. It's a tragedy in the sense where it is bad for us to eat too much of it. And actually, the poorest amongst us, okay, who are already at risk of diseases and things anywhere, also end up eating it the most. So I think there's a double tragedy that we need to try and fix. Well, I think there's a third piece in there that um, the food companies are responsible for. I mean, they're, they're hiring scientists to make the food hyper palatable, to make it addictive. And I'm going to be talking to someone in a, in a week or so about food addiction and um, how we deal with that. But the reality is if you find yourself, there's just this food. And I, I like to term it as kryptonite, you know, like your Superman is going to kill you, but you can't stay away from it. You can't do anything about it. They make these foods like kryptonite. They're so delicious. I mean, even they advertise it. You can't eat just one stack your, stack your, your chips, you know, eat three of them because the different flavors and, you know, you're going to eat a whole tube of them. Um, and that might, that, you know, that that's more calories than you should have had for your dinner. And they're hypopatible. They're they're going to basically become blood sugar as soon as they hit your your system. And um, so I, I think that there's a third piece there. And it's an arms war, you know, because what's interesting is obviously there there is no camp there there is no advertisement campaign for strawberries. Not that I know of, yeah. <laughs> you know, or or, yeah. or the advertisement, you know, maybe maybe sometimes the orange juice company, but even that. So, but then the advertisement campaigns that go out to support these foods are incredible, and and it's weapons grade. I mean, we talk about weaponization; it's weapons grade, yeah. and so you 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 know, you're someone selling strawberries <laughs> from yeah. the local farm. There is there is there's no way you can compete against that. Certainly, when it comes to kids, and I think yeah. a, a lot of it is adults. We are obviously impressionable, but it's the kids. It's the kids that then look at it and watch the cartoons, and they buy the Happy Meals, and they do the thing. And and it's um and the and Super Bowl really and the Super Bowl, which is coming up. Which congratulations on San Francisco's win this week. Um, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, uh, yeah, it's, it's the Super Bowl. You'll spend they'll spend millions of dollars, and you think how many bags of potato chips do they have to sell? But they obviously are because they've been 
they've been doing these commercials forever. So it obviously sells more potato chips. They, they, otherwise, otherwise they won't do it, right? right. If, right. You, these guys, these guys are mercenary. <laughs> of course yeah. they are. They're not going to be spending the money if they're mm. not getting a return from this. Yeah. So, so that's the other side of just recognizing that that these ultra processed foods are food stuff. They're built to be hyper palatable. They're built to be addictive, and they yes, they're low cost. They're easy to transport. They're shelf stable for a long, long time. So there's benefits from a feeding the world perspective to having this technology but i i kind of think it's it's gone a little on the other direction and, and that's part of the why we're in the problems we're at and if we can flip back and we can start thinking about this scale of how processed is my food and the less processing for the most part the better one two three and 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 trying to weigh your food i mean and think of your food in that order the more i have in category one the better that you know category twos next and then That's three and then Correct. okay occasionally if you want that mars bar have a mars bar but recognize where you are and what you're doing and enjoy the heck out of it uh and then be done get back to protein and fiber and your weight loss goals i mean there is another i i think thing which i do raise in the book and so does the middle ground, because I do think we need somehow as society to reformulate our food system. So I think I think somehow we've managed to, in trying to keep 7 billion people alive, I do think we've broken significant elements of our food system, okay? And we're not here to necessarily discuss that, so we need to, we need to fix that. But in the meantime, however, in the meantime, who, how, how do we try and be pragmatic? And so what, what, what I do say is, Yes, if we want a Mars bar, we can have a Mars bar. But can we make a better Mars bar? I mean, I think that, that, that that's, mm. that's the question, right? Can we convince, at least in the interim, so this is not the, the be-all and end-all, but can we get the, the companies to put in more nuts, uh, uh, more dates and figs, uh, you, you know, to try and up the fiber and protein content of a chocolate bar or a frozen lasagna or something, you know? Um, and every time I say this, what's interesting is I'm not trying to countenance all of us moving to Nova 4 as easy. That's just not my point. But my point is, well, how do we stop, how do we help the people who, through no fault of their own, are almost forced to live on Nova 4 foods? Can we get the companies to improve their Nova 4 foods? And that's another thing um, I'm quite passionate about and trying to, and, and whenever a company, a food manufacturer, for example, um, speaks to me, Okay, um, um, I I never take money from food companies for the reason so that I can go in and speak to the food companies and be honest with them. Okay, and they yeah. can listen to me or not listen to me. Um, um, but I can say, look, look, you guys can continue making your, your your chocolate bar, lasagna, what have you. But can you make it better? Can you up the protein? Can you up the fiber? Can you do that? Surely you can. Surely you can do it without really a, that much of a significant rise in cost. I suppose they can, especially when you think about. I mean, we. We have a tendency to think of uh, protein as being meat coming from an animal, and we think of fiber as coming from a plant. Um, and more of this could be plant-based, uh, and you can get there. Uh, fiber is easy. Um, it's practically nothing from a, a density perspective and, and almost no flavor. And from a cost perspective, oh, yeah. it doesn't yeah. cost anything. Right. So, so it, it would, and then because they stripped it off of something else, uh, it's sitting there. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it's sitting there and it's ready. So they can't, I know they can, and they, hopefully they will. They'll see the problem and realize, okay, if I want my clients, my customers to live longer and eat more, I, I actually have to not kill them. Keep them alive. Uh, don't kill them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't kill your customer. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Dr. Yao, I define wellness as being the healthiest, fittest, and happiest you can be. What are three strategies or tactics to get and stay well? Oh my goodness, that's a very that's a very good question. Actually, I, I'm not going to start with uh, uh, with nutrition. Obviously, nutrition is one of them. The first is moving, and literally moving. Now, the the interesting thing, and and this could be if if you are able, uh, uh, going long distances, running or cycling or pumping iron. It could be that, or it could be going in your garden, walking your dog, mowing the lawn, doing something like that. And while moving per se. And people, maybe sometimes people don't notice, moving per se is not a great way of losing weight, <laughs> no, no, per se, okay? Um, but it is fabulous for you. You will never, ever be able to replace the goodness of moving. And so we don't move enough. And so we got to move. So that's the first thing I would say, move. 
Um, and then the second thing is really think about about nutrition, not in an evangelical and puritanical fashion where we, you, you know, I mean, you, you talk about it, you, you sound, you, you know, for just from our conversation here, like you have the right approach. Look, you know, sometimes you want a Mars bar. Sometimes your kid has a birthday party. You want to have a slice of cake, you know, but we have too much of that. And so I think thinking about the, about the nutrition and simply actually, if you consider protein and fiber in 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 the diet in the diet that you eating even as a shorthand as a proxy obviously there are other things but even if we consider protein and fiber and moving i think those three things would actually get you a long way to getting to to to, to getting health to getting healthier right dr yeah if someone wanted to learn more about you and your book why calories don't count where would you like for me to send them Oh, they can send so all good bookshops. I don't want don't I mean I know some people don't like Amazon, and I I, I don't want to push people there. To, uh, um, but but all all good bookshops should sell should sell the book. Why calories? Why calories don't count? Okay. Um, there's also one. Where, and if you want to hear anything more, just me beebling on and, and and interviewing various various people. I also have a podcast called Doctor Giazio Choose the Fat, and it's available at all you know, um, Apple and Spotify and all all your all your favorite places. Okay, well, uh, this is episode 516, so you can go to 40plusfitnesspodcast.com forward slash 516, and I'll be sure to have links there. Dr. Yao, thank you so much for being a part of 40 Plus Fitness. Alan, this has been a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Welcome back, Raz. Alan, oh my gosh. I don't even know where to start. There's a lot we can talk about, but I do want to mention that Back when I started my weight loss journey a long time ago, pre-internet days, uh, counting calories was a nightmare. It was just something I never wanted to do. And it's it's just difficult. It's just a pain to do, especially before smartphones and apps that are so helpful today. But, you know, just like a lot of people who start their weight loss journey, that's what I, that's the only thing I knew about at that time. Yeah, I've, you know, I've been on my fitness pal and some of the others. And I've, mm-hmm. I've talked to different people over the years that are tracking and, and some of them it's, it's quite literally like they're doing the accounting for general electric. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's this crazy measure, every calorie calculate these numbers. And mm-hmm. then you're, you're looking at your weight and they're trying to evaluate and you're like, okay, well, maybe I was off by a pecan <laughs> yeah. you know, the other day. And, and, and so, you know, if, if you, if you find that, that doing the calorie counting is stressing you out, you're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. Now, full disclosure or disclaimer, however you want to look at it, if you have uh, a food addiction, if you have a, an eating disorder, or you just find that the, the gamification of this actually is helping you stick with it, that's mm-hmm. great. Um, there are a lot of people that are like that. And that's just cool that the whole world is made up of different people. So I'm not going to say there's one way fits all that'll never be the case, but if you're stressing over the calories, mm-hmm. oh, I can't eat this. It has too many calories in it. It's chicken breast. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> well, that's a good point. I mean, think about what you're eating. I think one light bulb moment that I had many years ago when I did have my fitness pal was um, one of the foods that I did like to eat after a half marathon. I used to go to McDonald's and get the quarter pounder meal because I craved the salt and the fat in that meal. And one day I realized that the calorie count for the quarter pounder with cheese meal was the equivalent of my total calorie intake for that day. And it was a big light bulb moment for me because obviously I can't live on one meal per day, uh, especially running half marathons, but you know, that probably wasn't the most healthy choice that I could have picked for that time. Yeah. But you know, the, the, well, one, I think if you, if you read Dr. Yao's book, you're, you're not going to eat fast food ever again. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't. He way, actually talks, yeah. you know, he actually talks you how, you know, a lot of people don't want to know how they make the sausage. And I'll just say, you don't want to know how they I make don't. the burgers <laughs> and you don't want to know how they make the chicken McNuggets. Um, so sue me McDonald's if you have to, but I'm just going to say, <laughs> these get, yeah, okay, no, uh, <laughs> just, oh, dear. no, mm. um, you know, 
it's okay to have those kind of things. It's, it's, it, mm-hmm. there's, there's, you know, if you, if you start obsessing about things and, and again, granted, uh, if you have a food issue or things like that, then yeah, I'm going to have uh, Dr. Susan on in uh, a few weeks, uh, probably right around the beginning of the year. And we're going to talk about that because she has these very strict rules in her life. And then with everybody, she coaches very strict rules and those, those work. Mm-hmm. Um, but she also has this, this resume process, which is when you go off kilter, you, you understand it, you learn from it and you kind of get yourself back into your box. Perfect. And, and so that's, that approach works. Now, most of us can't live in a calorie counting box. Mm-hmm. We have mm-hmm. jobs, we have children, we have friends and family, and we have things that pop up. Like you said, I mean, I finished this run. I'm hungry. What's there? Mm-hmm. McDonald's. Okay. It's yeah. either McDonald's or a banana. And, you know, I'm sorry, but, it, you know, back in the day, um, McDonald's tastes better than the banana. I mean, yeah, sure. you need the potassium. And th- okay, great. Um, but I'm going to go for the burger too, uh, <laughs> back in the day. Um, mm-hmm. But I think, I think what we're trying to come out with this is number one, Look for the foods that serve you. And we talked with Dr. Yao about how uh, protein and fiber are going Mm -hmm. to be your friends in this pursuit. And if you're eating the foods that provide the best quality of that, then Mm -hmm. you're, you're not necessarily eating a whole lot of meat to get your protein because you can get that from a vegetable source, which is Mm -hmm. another thing he talks about in the book, but you look at getting protein because it takes longer to digest and it's more energy burning as you do that. So you're getting less calories out of what appears to be a lot of calories and it's mm-hmm. going to keep you fuller longer. The other side is the fiber and, you know, whether you want to go keto or you want to go as far as uh, carnivore, he doesn't like those ways of eating from the perspective of you're not getting the fiber. Mm-hmm. And so if you find that you try keto and you're just not pooping and taking a little bit of uh, magnesium, which, you know, we're going to have Thomas to allow on the show uh, in a week or so, and we're going to talk about mineral deficiencies. And so if you're mm-hmm. having trouble at the loo, uh, as Dr. Yao would say, um, then you might want to try some magnesium. But if, if those things aren't working and, and what you're doing is not serving your body and you're not feeling good and healthy, Mm-hmm. then we're missing the point. The point is to right. try to get healthy. The weight loss is the side effect. Oh, I love that part. Yeah. When you and um, Dr. Yao mentioned the weight loss is the side effect and, and also not obsessing, you know, if counting calories becomes too much of an obsession, if it's distracting you, um, then it's, it's really not the greatest tool in the toolbox, but, but also I, yeah, I think focusing on the protein and the fiber and the healthy vegetables, that'll give you the nutrients that you need to feel energetic throughout the day and satisfy whatever activities you do as well. Yeah. I mean, I just, I couldn't even imagine sitting down at like a Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner and there being like pumpkin pie there. And, and you're, you're on my fitness pal trying to figure out how much is a slice to mm-hmm. get the hundred grams of, <laughs> and you're like, mom, mom, do you uh-huh. have a, a scale so I can weigh yeah. this pumpkin pie? Um, <laughs> yeah. If you want some of the pumpkin pie, eat the pumpkin pie. Well, that's, a, you know, perfectly acceptable, especially during these holiday times when all these wonderful family traditional foods are coming out and you want to try your, your mom's recipe or your grandma's recipe or something important. I mean, there's so much meaning to that. And if you just enjoy it and have a taste of it and not overdo it, you're less likely to feel those after effects. You know, um, Thanksgiving's my favorite meal. I tend to eat a little bit more than I normally do. And I feel the after effects later. So, you know, enjoy what you can and then get back to your normal eating and you'll feel much better in the days ahead. Now, one of the cool things about Dr. Yao's book is that uh, when he gets into this, he, it is, it is a lot of biochemistry. But he says it, he says it in a way that is actually followable. Okay. Mm -hmm. He still has to use the words mitochondria, Krebs cycle or citric acid cycle. And, Mm -hmm. you know, all the words, because the words are the words, it's not like he can come up, but he comes up with a lot of ways to think about how that works and, and why things work the way they work. Mm -hmm. And then in the end, when he's explaining why protein is a better choice, why Fiber is a better choice. Uh, 
and those types of things, it, it clicks. You're like, oh, of course. Why is it that you know you can eat sugar and your blood sugar shoots up and you can eat protein and it doesn't, or you can eat sugar with fiber and it doesn't, you know, like he was talking about the orange juice mm-hmm. and the orange. Mm-hmm. And so he yeah. gives you all the background to understand. He didn't just make this up and say, he doesn't want you drinking orange juice. He's just trying to explain to you, if you're trying to lose weight, the orange is the better deal. Sure. That makes total sense. That's so helpful too. It's hard to, hard to imagine a glass of orange juice being so much different than the actual orange itself, but it does make sense when he, um, when you discuss that in your interview. Yeah. It's not as convenient. And uh, you know, obviously <laughs> to me, if you're trying to lose weight, drinking your calories is the worst way to do it. You know, because again, if it's a liquid, your body's going to digest it very quickly. It's going to be out of your system and in your blood. And therefore it's not going to satiate you. You know, it just won't. Whereas if you has to go through your system uh, and you have to digest, actually physically digest it, you're burning calories doing that digestion. If it's liquid, the digestion's over. It's just flowing through and saying, okay, ha-la-di-dot, and then it's sugar (laughs) and it's in your Mm -hmm. system. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, good pick-me-up in the morning, orange juice and coffee. But then, you know, you're going to be hungry by six o'clock. I mean, like by 10 o'clock, if you Mm -hmm. ate at seven, because you didn't give your body that, that long-term full feeling that it's going to get with the fiber and protein. Mm-hmm. You know, it's important that we pay attention to how we feel after we eat these different foods. Cause I think that once you find, um, what you enjoy eating and you get a good feeling afterwards, you feel full. Um, it, it's a, a better way to plan your meals, <laughs> especially if you plan them around protein. Yes, absolutely. All right. Well, Rachel, I'll talk to you and we'll talk to everybody else next week. (laughs) Take care. You too. Thanks. Next time on the 40 Plus Fitness Podcast, we meet Thomas DeLauer and discuss mineral deficiencies. Until then, have a happy and healthy week.